it is a privilege and an honor to be before you this morning to take uh, this pulpit in place of Jamie while he's uh, away with the mission team. And uh, I know that they're doing a great work, and we do pray for their safe travel. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be spending some time in the book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew chapter 10. We'll be also briefly in Matthew chapter 19 towards the end as we get there. If you'd like to also just bookmark that real quick. I was glad we got to see those announcements. Uh, I actually watched them on Facebook, I think, yesterday. And I don't know if you guys are on Facebook, but, um, you know, oftentimes, if you miss something, check the Facebook page for the church because you'll get caught up pretty quick. And so I did get to see the announcements already yesterday and got to see the, the preview that Heather had done. And I'm pretty excited about next week. I mean, I don't know about you guys, um, but it's going to be a big week in the life of our church, um, not just because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, there are other things going on. Stephen Mann's... Uh, is Eagle Scout Court uh, next week, and then of course we are having the Super Bowl party. There's the flag football that I don't ever participate in um, because I'm getting to that age um, that hospital bills are, aren't doesn't sound appealing to me. Uh, but the chili cook-off does sound appealing to me uh, because over the la- three out of the last four years for Super Bowl, uh, me and Mackenzie and a buddy of mine and his sons have gone to Chicago every year, and so I don't get to participate in that chili cook-off. Um, and so this year we're not going to Chicago for the Super Bowl, and we're going to hang around. And so I'm kind of considering that ugly trophy sitting on my mantle for the next year or so and, and wondering what that might look like. So I think I'm considering it, entering that contest, just if nothing else, so I can have those bragging rights over, I believe, Jamie might have won last year. Is that right? Was it Jamie? And Rick Williams the year before that, possibly? Um, and I think Jason might have won one year. So if I could achieve that goal, I would be, I would be in, in greatness there. I mean, in the presence of greatness. And so I'm, I'm thinking that I might want to do that. I'm, I might consider it. Speaking of rewards, that's going to be the, uh, uh, the topic of our, of our study today is, is rewards. And we don't talk about rewards much in church. Um, in Baptist church, maybe I should say, we don't talk about rewards much. There are churches who talk a lot about rewards. And there are uh, ministers who talk a lot about rewards. And I might use that term loosely in respect to some of those people who talk about rewards on our television, uh, some who are quite popular, and some who maybe even you get a few nuggets of wisdom from from time to time. I, and I, I tend not to try to badmouth other people who, who stand up and preach, and so I'm not going to do that this morning. Um, but uh, there are those who bother me who we preach what's called a health and wealth gospel and you've probably heard that term if you've been around church long enough, that if you follow God, if you do the right thing, if you tithe like you're supposed to, you go to church on Sunday, and all that checklist of things that God wants us to do, that your life is going to be great. And that's simply not what the Bible says. It, It doesn't teach that. However, on the the far side of that we are sometimes i think so afraid to not be perceived as as people who will preach a health and wealth gospel that we really don't talk about the rewards that god does offer to his people and to his followers who do obey his commands and who do follow after what he tells us to do because in fact the bible and jesus himself in multiple places talks about rewards for his people and so that's what I'd like to really just share with you this morning are some of those, those mantle trophies, hopefully a lot prettier than that ugly Super Bowl trophy, 
that God is going to give us who are his people and who are his followers. However, when we, when we speak of that, I really feel like before we get into the meat of that, we do just need a gentle reminder earlier in Matthew chapter 10. We're actually going to be starting mostly in the, the meat of it in, chapter, in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 10, but I want to back up to remind us, number one, that salvation is free. Salvation is free. There, salvation is not one of those things that costs us something. And if you look in Matthew chapter 10, um, starting down with verse 6 says but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of israel this is jesus speaking and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers cast out the demons freely you have received and freely you must give this is in the is in the passage in which we're we're studying this morning so i chose this but you could look throughout scripture in many, 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 many places that simply talks about salvation as the free gift of God. Uh, not of ourselves, not through works so that no one can boast, Ephesians 2. Um, and we know that. We understand that there's nothing that we can do that will earn us a place in God's kingdom. That will earn us salvation or earn us heaven. And we do preach that, and I think we're very good at preaching that. Because we want to be welcoming. We want to tell people, and people like my own family members who have lived, some of them, a very rough life and who feel that in their old age they have lived such a life that there is no way that God could possibly let them into his kingdom. And outside of Jesus Christ, they're right. There is no way that they could possibly do that. But they think they've just lived too bad a life. They can't do enough good things to make up for all the bad. And we preach that because you can't. There's no way you can do enough things to make up for all the bad things that you have done. All it takes is one for God to say no. You cannot enter. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, and we we understand that. So we know through Jesus Christ that salvation is the free gift. In Sunday school this morning with uh, with my boys, we were actually in Matthew chapter 9, which is the chapter directly before this and leading up to. This is early in Jesus' ministry. This is right after, and I mean right after, he has called out the 12 disciples. He is he has gone through, he's not built up much of a reputation yet, although word's starting to get around. He's traveling to the cities and he's teaching in the synagogues and he's healing and he's performing some amazing miracles. He he's healing people from uh, from medical issues. He's raising the dead, a little girl from the dead just recently, uh, mute or speaking, casting out demons, the blind are seeing again, and and things are starting, there's starting to be a little bit of a of a talk, and people are amazed at what he's doing. And the disciples are just early in their ministry with Jesus. And can you imagine just walking with him and they're taking all of this in and all of the things that are going on with, with them and, and they're seeing all of this. And all of this is starting to build up. And now Jesus is ready to say to his disciples, now it's your turn. You guys are going to be doing the things that I have been doing. You are to be my instruments. You are to be the ones who are going out. You are to be the ones who are sharing And so we pick up in in verse 16, when Jesus says to his disciples and turns to them and says, Behold, I send you out as a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about what you're going to say, for it's going to be giving you in that hour for what to say. 
For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Whenever they persecute in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Apparently, Jesus missed some of the um, early classes in Bible college uh, for pastors about reaching out and ministering. Because can you imagine if our church sign had, um, had something out there of, come this Sunday for scourging, for persecution, uh, jail, possibly death. I don't know that too many people are going to really be flocking to First Baptist Church if that's on our sign out there. But that's essentially what Jesus is telling his disciples of, hey, you come, you follow me, and you go out like I send you, and this is what's going to happen. You're going to be arrested, you're going to be laughed at, you're going to be scorned, you're going to be put in jail, you're going to be flogged, and ultimately you could actually lose your life serving me, but hey, don't worry about it because I've got something else for you. We try to make this a very safe place, don't we? I mean, when you think about it, when you come in on Sunday morning, you, you may not, some of you notice, some of you may not, you may even notice those cameras that are on the outside of the building that are recording people coming and going because we worry about security and, and, and life and the things that happen within our church, and we don't want that. When we go and we check our kids into the nursery, We've got that little foyer area, and you go and, and you fill out your card, and they give you a name badge and a scan card, and your kid goes back into a separate area so that nobody can just walk off the street and pick up your baby or pick up your child so that we're, we're feeling secure, that we're taking care of our children, as it should be. We want to do that. All of the little things, when, when you go back up here to, to Miss Lisa and you're going to pick up your kids back here, you know, she's standing at the door to make sure kids aren't coming and going, that everybody's not just wandering around, because we want this to be a safe place, right? And that's what we have built our churches to be around, is a very safe place. And when I say we, I mean we as U.S. citizens in this nation that we call the United States. Because it's not that way in a whole lot of the world. We have that privilege. And we come to church, and we feel safe, and we feel secure, and we come in here and nobody's arresting us. Who knows what the future holds? Sometimes I wonder. But nobody's coming to round us up. Nobody's pointing around and laughing at each other because we're worshiping. And we all worship in different styles. And some may raise their hand and some don't. And some sing and some don't. And nobody thinks a thing about it. Because this is a safe place. Right? And we have built our churches to be very safe. And I think sometimes we have started to preach a very safe gospel to go along with that. But that's not what Jesus is preaching here. Jesus is talking about something entirely different. He's talking about risk. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about something that costs us. And I want you to know that true followers of Christ, to be a true follower of Christ is going to cost you everything. It should. Salvation costs you nothing, but following Christ costs us everything. He tells Jesus, the, Jesus tells his disciples, excuse me, he says, you go out and in my name, if you do what I tell you to do, it's going to cost you. 
we don't understand that very well because we do live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's a place that was founded upon, to some degree, godly principles, upon God himself. And yet, there are so many churches that meet across our world that if somebody should find out that they're there, they'd immediately be arrested. In many places, they'll be killed. They don't have a welcome sign that says, everybody come on in, we're just happy to have you, because it's all very secret. Because if somebody finds out, they will surely die. They'll surely spend time in jail. There are people actively hunting out those who go by the name of Christian and who are Christ followers. And we can't understand that. We just can't. Because we were not raised, we have not grown up in a place like that. There are a few who are among us who are willing to go to places like that and try to minister to them. It's not the norm for them, but it's, it's what they have come to decide that they want to do. I've got a, a very good friend of mine who spent a few mission trips over just right on the border of Afghanistan. And this was during the war and directly afterwards. And him and his wife went over and they were looking at doing a permanent uh, mission field over there. And I'm like, bro, not me. That doesn't sound fun at all. But there are people who are willing to do that, who are actually willing to go and to put themselves in that risky situation. And here are 12 disciples who, whom God has called out, whom Jesus has personally chosen, and says, I want you to go out and I want you to represent me. And when you do, these are the things that are going to happen. These are the circumstances in which I send you, and these are the results which are coming with that. It's going to be bad. But if you go... If you do it, I've got rewards for you. Wait, what? We have chance of, of death and jail and scourging and, and all of these things, and yet what are those rewards going to be? Well, in, we often think about when we're talking about those rewards that it is going to be uh, earthly rewards. But we all understand heavenly rewards, don't we? After all, we've been preached about our heavenly rewards, the kingdom of heaven. Because, I mean, after all, the least of heaven is much greater than the greatest of hell, isn't it? So, I mean, we understand those rewards. But what does it really mean when, when Jesus tells us that there are going to be rewards for us in heaven? If we move on in chapter, in chapter 10, and verse, uh, starting with verse 24, it says, "...a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher." And the slave, like his master, if they've called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Right before this, Jesus had cast out some demons. And they said, well, the reason that he can cast out demons is because he's one of them himself. He just works for the devil, and that's why he can tell them to come and go as he pleases. And Jesus says to his disciples, well, here it is. If they've called the head of the house the devil, then how much more are they going to malign the ones who follow him? He says, verse 26, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. 
The very heads on your head are all numbered, so do not fear. You are more valuable than the sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think I came to bring peace on the earth, for I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus tells his disciples that it's going to get bad, but there are promises. There are rewards. He says the one who numbers the hairs on your head, he is going to take care of you. Because those who confess me, I will confess before him. They will have that reward in heaven. He's not talking about just salvation here, by the way. He's talking about more than that. And we don't always like to focus on that. Sometimes I think we try to make church way too safe. Now, I'm all for keeping our kids safe and things like that. Those, those security measures, that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about making this a safe place. But I think sometimes we think that if we proclaim that being a Christian is going to be hard, that if you really follow Christ, if you dedicate yourself to His service, that it's going to be a challenge. We think that people are going to shy away from that and they're not going to do it. But I think that's wrong. And here's why. Because we as mankind, God has put something in us that is a drive. That we want to accomplish things. And for different people, it is different things. We have different interests. Uh, this last week, there's a man, uh, John Wasley, I believe was his last name. Anybody read about him? Well, he died. But he died trying to cr- cross the Antarctic by himself. With no help and no one. He was 30 miles away from crossing the entire Antarctic, from Antarctica by himself when he finally gave in and succumbed. He was raising money for charities. And a noble cause, but don't you think that what he was wanting to do was a personal challenge? That it was something that meant something to him to know that he could do it, that he could endure, that he could go through? We have people who have challenges all the time. Stephen Mann is going to be recognized for one of his challenges next week. For the time that it took him, the endurance and the commitment and dedication to achieve that honor. We have people sitting across here who are involved in a, in a myriad of things. We have runners. We have musicians. We have people who are dedicated in their jobs and in their work. We have people who are dedicated to, to just tasks of, you know what? I've got fat, and now I need to not be fat. And so my goal is to hit the gym every day and to lose the weight. And, and we have those up and down. But there are goals there is work ahead of us. Yet somehow we forgot to communicate that being a disciple, being a follower of Christ, involves work. We somehow think it's just all come who are heavy laden and you will find rest. You know what God is talking about? He's talking about eternal rest. He's not talking about it's going to be easy right here. It's not a health and wealth gospel, it's a hurt, it's a work. Are you up to the challenge? Are you up to that challenge? We turn over into Matthew in chapter 19. Jesus talks a little bit more about those rewards. And and the precursor to that is actually in chapter 16. And it's the story of the rich young ruler. And you're probably, many of you are familiar with that story if you've been in church at any time. There's a rich young ruler. And he's a righteous man. And he comes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus... What do I need to do? What do I need to do 
to obtain eternal life. And so Jesus responds in verse 17. He says, um, he says, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who's good, but if you wish to enter into the life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, well, which ones? I like the qualifier there. I wonder um, what type of business this rich young ruler was really in because it wasn't like just all of them. He's like, well, which, one, which are the important ones that I need to keep? And so Jesus says, well, you should not commit murder. You're not going to commit adultery. You shall not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man says, well, I've done all these. Can you imagine if, if this rich young ruler came into church today and he has a meeting with Pastor Jamie and he comes in and he says, hey, uh, what do I need to do, you know, really to, to inherit eternal life and to just be a good church member and, and to be part of this fellowship? And Jamie says, well, you know, you should... Uh, obviously give your life to Christ, but you need to follow the commandments that he set out for you and everything else. He's like, I've done that. And, um, and Jamie's probably at this point thinking, this guy could finance the new building. Rich young ruler, right? He's a good guy. He's a follower. He's, he's keeping the commandments. Let's make this guy a deacon tomorrow and put him on a board somewhere. And let's, let's, let's. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't look at him and say, hey, he's been good all of his life. He's following the commandments. He's a rich young guy. Let's, hey, I don't have a place to hang my head at night, but, you know, this guy could change all of that for me. No, what Jesus says to him instead is says, all right, if you wish to be complete, go and sell all your possessions and give them to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. And we all know the rest of the story with the rich young ruler is he can't do that because he really didn't give his life to Christ. He gave his life to his possessions. And that was what he dedicated himself to instead of dedicating himself to Christ and to the cause of it. We do the same thing oftentimes, don't we? Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to give you a challenge. And yet, we're like, yeah, God, I'm with you, except for these small areas of my life, which I want to hold back for myself. These are mine. See, following Jesus does cost something. It costs you everything that's most important to you because he is supposed to be most important to you. After this exchange with Jesus, though, this, and some people just miss this. This is the best part of the chapter. It comes right after this. Jesus had turned to his disciples and said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know that part, but it's verse 27. Do you know this? Peter said to him, hey, Jesus, that's the Brian paraphrase version, behold, we have left everything and followed you. What's there going to be for us? This rich young ruler who has everything the world can offer him comes to Jesus and says, hey, I've been a good guy and I've followed all the commandments and I've got this wealth and everything else. And Jesus rebukes him. And then Peter, you gotta love the guy, turns to him and says, hey, hey, Jesus, we left everything. We're poor and we're following you. What do we get? Can you imagine the rest of the disciples at that point? I try to put myself in that position. Because I, I don't ever want to be Peter because he usually gets called out and, we've, and made an example of. I'd, I'd rather be the guy sitting back and kind of watching things. Maybe John. Because, you know, Jesus loved John. And, and I'd like to sit back and just watch and go. And you know there's got to be murmuring. Hey, what's he going to do? He just talked about giving up all this stuff. And now Jesus and Peter's asking this question. And Judas is probably taking side bets whether Peter's going to, uh, you know, be able to survive what Jesus has to say to him. All this is going on. And Jesus does probably what we don't expect him to say. He says this to him. Jesus said, truly I say to you that you have followed me. 
In the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or farms for my sake will receive many times as much. Many times as much. And will inherit eternal life. But many of her first will be last and the last first. We expect Jesus to rebuke Peter and say, why are you interested in what you can get out of it? But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus turns to him and says, you're right. You have given up for me, and I am going to reward you greatly in my kingdom. How many times do we hear that preached? Not enough. I think not enough sometimes. Because you know what? The encouraging part is we've been taught to deny ourselves as Christians so much that we forget that there is a glorious and a great reward waiting Not only the reward of eternal life, but God has built that eternity for us in such a way that those who go above and beyond what we might consider above and beyond at least, those who are true followers, and that's probably a bad wording, but those who who really dedicate themselves, who sacrifice, who who give up more, who don't just get saved and coast the rest of their lives, But those who will go that extra mile get that extra reward. That's what Jesus says to him right there. He says, you guys, those who persevere to the end, because there's one who's not going to, you're going to sit on the 12 thrones in heaven above the 12 tribes of Israel. I have appointed for you a very special place as my disciples, as my followers. And you know what? That speaks to me. That speaks to me in a way that I, I, can, I can understand. In that I know that there are things that I have had to give up along the way in living my life. But it's been worth it. Because I know that there are things that come from it. You know, there are, there are things, we understand budgeting. I mean, more or less, right? Whatever level you understand, whether, whether you're a a Dave Ramsey guy or, or gal or not or things along those lines. We understand that if, if you decide to go out over here to one of my favorite restaurants, Krabby's, every single night of the week, then probably you're not going to be able to afford a lot of other things because it's expensive. But it's also good, right? And so I don't eat there all the time because, well, I probably wouldn't have a house uh, to live in, things like that, because I couldn't afford it, Right? So there's sacrifices, but I understand that there are rewards that come with that. It's the same way with our lives as Christians. You know what? There are things that you're going to have to give up, and there are challenges, but are you ready to step up to it? And God, Jesus, makes that challenge right there to His disciples and says, if you will do this, if you will go up, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. There are going to be bad things that happen, and you're not going to like everything that happens to you. But if you are up for that challenge, there are rewards. They're waiting for you, and they are more glorious than you can ever imagine. I think we need to be reminded of that as we go through on this daily walk, that it's not going to be easy, that it's not going to be all rose petals, that the streets of gold come much later. But there are rewards, and there are streets of gold, and there are thrones. And there are amazing things that God has promised us who are his followers.
be a follower, you first have to give your life to Him. You've got to accept Him. None of this that we've talked about, none of that matters if you're bound for an eternity in hell. I mean, that's just the frank truth of it. That you can't earn. You know what I find very interesting? is all of these times that Jesus, and He talks about rewards in several places in Scripture, guys. We just, we overlook them somehow. But every time he does, he never talks about earthly rewards. He's always talking about heavenly rewards. I found that everything that we do here, it does have an eternal effect. But I've also found that every gift that God gives here, none of it can be earned. Those gifts of God that we experience right now, we can't work for them. As followers of Christ, the work that we're doing, that's for later. The gifts that he offers us in this form are gifts. That's what he said to his disciples in verse 6 through 8 of chapter 10. He says, freely you have been given, and so freely you shall give. That's the way that God operates. He gives to us freely while we are here. But I don't know about you, I want to take up that challenge that he has given me. That speaks to me. I don't know, men, does that speak to you? As a guy, that speaks to me. Challenge? I like a challenge. To stand up and to follow him, despite the adversity. The other day I was at the gym, and I haven't been very faithful lately. We moved recently, and uh, I've been, you know, slacking a little bit because of the move and all the other stuff going. I'm trying to get back into it again. And I was over on the treadmill doing my thing. There's a guy over here, and he's much younger than I am. And uh, one of the trainers was with him, and, and he uh, said something, apparently. And they must be good friends, too, because he apparently said something to him about the treadmill just being too easy. <laughs> I would never say that if I had a trainer. <laughs> because I'm just like, what are they going to do to me? And the trainer says, and so apparently he'd said that to him, and so he puts the, the treadmills, and if you're not in a treadmill, but they've got these incline things on them. And, you know, I like my incline right around five, maybe four. And I, I've worked up to that. He had this thing like on 16, uh, you know. And the guy's going much slower than I am, but, I mean, he is hurting. And he's about half my age, you know. And, and he's, he's going on that thing, and the trainer comes over, and he's just kind of smiling. And I didn't hear the conversation so much, except that apparently he was griping about the incline of the treadmill. And you just know that trainer is just going, yeah, well, you said you wanted to ease harder. And, uh, and he, say, he told him, he said, I'll tell you what, he says, do this for 10 minutes, for five minutes, you can bring it back down to whatever level he told him, and then the next 10 minutes, so at the end, you have to crank it back up. And, and so the guy's like, okay, okay. You know, and, he's, and he's, he's sweating, and he's pouring into it, and he's doing all this. And he said to him, he said, hey, if it doesn't hurt, it's not work. And you know what? I've lived that. I've lost a little weight over the last year, and some of you have noticed that and complimented me on that, and I appreciate that. But uh, you know what? It did. It hurt. It hurt to get to that place, and it still hurts every time I go. And as I get older, it hurts more. And, and all of those things happen. But you know, somewhat, I think that discipleship goes in the same thing. If, if it doesn't hurt, it's not work. If you really want the gains in your Christian life and in your faith, it's going to hurt but the rewards that God's offer are great, and they are worth it. I encourage you to commit yourself to it, to what he has for us.
because the rewards God offers are much greater than we, we can imagine. The little bit of sacrifice for him is nothing compared to the sacrifice that he endured for us. The sacrifice that was paid on that cross as he not only gave his life, but he lived his life for us. You may be willing to give your life for Christ, but are you willing to live your life for Christ? Sometimes that can be